Hey, what's going on, family? This is your boy, Brother Technico, coming at you with another Niso Technico episode. Yeah, we going in, family. White wannabes. Do you know any? We gonna go talk. We gonna talk about it now. Before I get into this, I have to say, I lost my first forty-five minutes, like the original show that I did. I I lost it, fucked it up, and did this one over. So. Was this my greatest episode? Probably not. And I'm probably going to have to do it again because I'm definitely uh, talking about certain people that you know. And when you talk about people, you definitely have to come correct. But at the same time, the truth is the truth. So if this opens the door for anything, it's, it's only going to be for my benefit. And I have the ultimate, like, ultimately, I have the facts. Ultimately, you know, history is on my side. And history doesn't repeat, but it does sure as hell rhyme. So... When I see history start to rhyme, you know I'm going to start speaking about it. And there's things that we have to deal with. Uh, people that um, we have to stop taking so seriously and maybe even ignore altogether. So with that being said, we're going to pay these bills and we're going to get to this podcast. Sorry about that, family. I did not forget to... Uh, I forgot to put on my... Uh, do not disturb. So I just got a phone call and I just kind of cut everything off. But um, Petion, or just like the mulatto class, that's what I was talking about. Um, the mulatto class, you see, their reasons for joining the rebels weren't the same as the reasons for the rebels or the, 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 the Africans that were enslaved for fighting. You see, the ones that were enslaved fighting, they were fighting the conditions that um, before Rochambeau, mulattoes were, didn't have a problem helping them maintain. You see, mulattoes had a very, very different gripe in society. They were the ones that were the in-betweeners. And if they were educated and pretty much uh, grew up in a Western sort of lifestyle, they very much saw themselves as white or at least an extension of white or something that could move up and improve to be respected just as much as white. So their reasons for fighting were very different. Uh, It had a lot more to do with acceptance and acknowledgement and the fact that these same people would treat them uh, the same way. Uh, they would treat a slave. It's it's the same issue that Gandhi has uh, with the British. His issue with the British is not about how they were treating darker skinned people or people who were non-white. His issue was in India, he was Brahmin. He, so he was white. And these other whites had the audacity to treat him in the same way as that they would treat uh, a kafir. Okay. That was their issue. That was his issue. And that was the mulatto class's issue uh, with the French at that particular time at this juncture, right? Their issue was like, how dare you treat us like one of them? So it become uh, an alliance out of uh, situation, out of necessity. And Africans, we've made this same mistake time and time again, but we don't point it out when it comes to Haiti, or I do, but I'm going to do it again is that we always make the mistake of thinking that the enemy of our enemy is our friend. We always make that mistake. And they have they they felt like they were coming under attack. It wasn't like life was all peachy keen and cool for Mulatto. But the actions of Rochambeau tilted the scales enough enough 
to where they they were able to join up. Okay. Now, following his death, or Toussaint Louverture's death, um, because you know he goes out there, oh, you're French, you're French, and they starve him. Like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna show you how how French you are. <laughs> yeah, when you're fucked. Anyway, um, so you go into Jean Jacques Dessalines. No, and there's something else I want to kind of mention too. Um, there's a lot of reasons why, you know, it. Like, even though there were biases against mulattoes, you have to understand that um, just like today, you know, you have people who, you know, like, just because somebody's mixed, you ne- don't ne- that doesn't necessarily speak to what kind of personality that they have. And also, you have to consider that not only Toussaint Louverture's wife was a uh, mulatto concubine, so was Jean-Jacques Dessalines. You know, his wife was a concubine. And I believe she saved his life and a couple of things. Like, she was a solid sister. You know what I mean? So, as much as there were biases back then, we have to understand that, you know, the Africans always had the capacity to kind of look beyond, you know, skin tone. It's just that when you're kind of educated in a Western sort of fashion, you know, that the judging people or making assumptions based on how people look especially when you're doing it out of fear, it's a, it's a very, very common thing. But moving on to Jean-Jacques Dessalines, and some, another important note, the fact that he got his last name because he and his family was free. So his, so Toussaint Louverture knew about slaves. He knew about slavery. So his, even though he was like a favored uh, black dude, it was... Um, he he was never blind. Like it wasn't like he never saw the realities of slavery. As we know, Jean Jacques Dessalines uh, was much like Malcondal. He dealt with the brutalities of it. He saw a very very different face of uh, of oppression than uh, Toussaint Louverture because he was never favored. Um, so for him, uh, you get the feeling that there was just there was definitely a mistrust towards whites, but uh, towards mulattoes. Um, and different things of that nature. He didn't have those sorts of biases. Um, it was just more so, do you stand with us or you stand against us? So it's also very important to note that there are white people who were agreeable, either didn't get in the way or actually fought with uh, some of the uh, the Africans that were fighting for their freedom. So people were kind of going based on a, you know, are you rocking with me sort of hype. But anywho, getting into that, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, he had a, a trust. He had a trust of, of mulattoes. He had a trust of people who did not look like his oppressor. And I really wanted to get to this because I know there's a lot of people who probably felt like he was more like, most like Makano, because he's a great uh, militarist. Um, he did a lot of things. He was a hard dog. But he also made a lot of mistakes. He also put way too much trust in the mulatto class. After they have their victory, he more or less... Um, co-signed some stuff that uh, pretty much reduced those Africans back into slavery. And when he tried to do something against it, um, he was killed. He was killed. And many folks believe that it was Petion. They can't prove it. But it's very, very clear that in order for Haiti to move where they wanted it to go, uh, Jean-Jacques Dessalines had to, had to die. So Petion takes over. Remember, Petty was split into two. So one half went to Henry Christophe, who we will cover. 
who we will cover. Don't don't think we're not going to talk about him when we're talking about uh, white wannabes. Let's be very, very clear on that. There's a purpose behind it. So Petion, he takes over his half. And shortly after, you know, his successor, Boyer, uh, takes over. And he essentially makes that deal with France. Like, um, excuse me, hold on. Let me tell you how he did it. <clears throat> oh, my sub- it, uh, I, I, I'm so sorry that... That, uh... You had to lose all the land, and uh, uh, if you just uh, if you just d- 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 spell it out, boy, uh, did you just, uh, would you take money back for what what we did, and uh, it was wrong. But can't you see that we we are competent or whatever? He basically got the bucket. And he signs over Haiti, um, pretty much agrees to pay for the money that they lost in terms of the plantation and the war, etc., etc., etc. Just, like, put themselves into debt, like, fucking dumbass. Um, but was he a dumbass? No, he was definitely a dumbass. But the issue is, is that, like, why would you do such a thing? Well, the issue was, like, what I was saying before. After the dust settled, you know, the, like... The, uh, the Africans who wanted their freedom and the mulattoes, see, they had a similar foe when Rochambeau did what he did. Now, after the Rochambeaus and the people that's coming there trying to kill them are gone, people going to go back to who they originally were beforehand. Uh, mulattoes had slaves. Mulattoes were also notorious for at times treating slaves worse than the white man would. Hmm, where have you heard that before? So... For them, it was always more about acceptance. They set up even their government in a European-type fashion. You know what I'm saying? You know, in terms of their legislator and all that kind of stuff. Like, because that's what they knew. That's who they were. They, you gotta understand, Petion didn't give a fuck about, like, why would he, what freedom did he have to fight for? Or better yet, what oppression was he fighting? Like, like he didn't. There were no chains on him. This is essentially what I'm trying to say. He had no chains. So, what do you think his motivations were? We don't act like sometimes we just assume that just because somebody's fighting with us, their reasons and their their honor and whatever is, is similar to ours. A classical mistake. A classical mistake. The mulattoes almost unanimously wanted to go back to going to how, like doing things the way that they were doing it. Jean-Jacques Dessalines, before he was killed, he didn't, de- first of all, he didn't really deal with government. He wasn't a very, like, quote-unquote, educated kind of person. Maybe if Toussaint was still alive um, during that time, maybe something could have been, uh, you know, at least legislatively, a lot better. But he didn't really know this, uh, too much of that stuff. So he let that he left those sorts of tax to the mulattoes who he felt, hey, they, they went to school, they got an education, and it uh and it came to bite him in the butt. Right? So we're looking at these mulattoes and it's not just about that, but what like what's what 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 is that one thing that all these particular mulattoes have in common? 
their love of Western culture, their love in this particular sense, uh, France. And we can even look at the uh, the motherland, all those Francophone colonies. We've seen that within the colonies, those who are fighting over who have the better oppressor, who have the better colonizer. You know, what colonizer gives them more privilege than the other? You know, that's kind of their mentality. That's their, their mindset. Their mindset in that case, was never freedom. So their intent, totally different, totally wrong too. Now let's jump to the other side. When we're dealing with Henry Kristoff. Now Henry was no damn mulatto, so let that be clear. So how does he find his way on a podcast talking about white wannabes? Well, it was how he wanted to rule shit. It wasn't so much that he had an issue with like like white things or white culture he wanted uh black cavaliers he wanted a black castle he wanted a black monarchy that's why he called himself king there was no african reference for him but give a little backstory about him his father was a free man who um who had him i i i I think in the last one that i lost i said that um he was like his uh his mom was like uh a slave you know either a slave of his father or she was a former so either way uh, it's noted that the history or the their their relationship was a bit uh, challenging. I think that's the word I want to use. Um, so Henry did not really know how to respond to it. I don't think his his upbringing was necessarily the best, or he got the best like understanding of what the situation was. Because let me just put it you know put it plain to you. Um, there were a lot of free black. There were a lot of free black folks that did you know, did well. Like, for example, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, his family was freed by uh, a free black man and they took on his last name, the Dessalines. So there's there's a bunch of black folks who are free who uh, who purchase uh, slaves and end up giving them their freedom and did very, very well. It doesn't appear that Henry Christophe's father was such a person. So one could argue that, you know, some of the things that he saw in childhood um you know, definitely warped his perspective of things. He didn't really have a relationship with slaves. Um, He did see, you know, situations of his mom being put in like really precarious predicaments based on her status. So there was definitely the the issue of status being very, very uh, prominent or prevalent in his life. So fast forwarding a bit, you know, he joins the, uh, the French military or whatever. And, you know, he finds himself... Uh, fighting alongside the rebels, you know, and I forget what his, uh, what the impetus is, but you never see his, he never had an experience of a slave. He didn't knew, he didn't know those brutalities. You know, he had a slave mother, but he had a father who was a man who like, you know what I mean? So his, his view would be vastly different from Toussaint Louverture's, his view, and not would be, but was, and was definitely different from Jean-Jacques Dessalines. So when he does get his half, he he does European shit. Like, you basically have two halves of Haiti trying to emulate whiteness. And of course, uh, I forget exactly what was the cause of his demise, but he... he he had one it's just how it was and it was it was bound to happen but he didn't have any loyalty to blackness he didn't have any loyalty to africanness uh 
And that's something that we, that we definitely need to point out. You see, the biggest thing about these white wannabes, you know, and that stands them apart or what makes them uh, so deadly. I mean, also how you can also uh, spot one out is their loyalty. You see, when you have a loyalty to Africa, when you have a loyalty to your people, not a loyalty to Western ideals. Just because you want a black uh, monarchy, that doesn't mean you have a loyalty to blackness. It means you have a loyalty to Western ideologies. Just because you want to put a black face on it, it doesn't make it black. No different than how white folks want to deal with black religions, black eschatologies, and they want to throw a white face on it. It doesn't make it any more white just because you threw that face on there. Okay. So that's something, that is a theme. That died when Mackendall was gone. Because you had nobody who was even aware of the... Or just at least alert on point about the different levels of collaboration. Because when you're talking about white supremacy, establishing white governments, white systems, facilitates white supremacy. Okay? And it doesn't mean that these folks like I don't I don't think that Henry Christoph wasn't sincere in his feelings. He just didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And others weren't able to recognize what he was doing. You see, in the case of Henry Christoph, which I even believe was the was the case in, in, in slightly different ways for the mulattoes was they didn't hate whites. That's the thing. That's another trait of a white wannabe. They don't hate whites, but they're envious of whites. They want to be in the position that that white man is in. We saw that on the plantation when the white man was having his way with that black man's wife that was usually assigned to him, right? That black man wanted his wife to submit to him the same way she would have to submit to that white man. And we can get kind of religious with that whole context of submission, but we're not in this conversation. But that is a something. That is something. That is something that we see brothers do even today. We even hear it in some punk ass conversations. How often, ladies, how often have you heard like y'all, you and your man or your ex-man was talking about some certain shit that you did sexually. And once he found out that you did a certain something, whether it was because you told him, whether because he found out through somebody else that you did something, maybe you didn't, weren't even dating you. Maybe the dude wanted to talk to you because somebody had opened their mouth about some shit that you had did and they wanted that too. And if they couldn't get it, they got a fucking attitude that's a fucking problem. And they hate you and they hate that nigga. Like, how dare you? How dare you? You're going to do all of that shit to him? Huh? You're going to... All that shit from behind and... I can't, di- I can't get that? That's envy. That ain't jealousy. See, the difference, the difference between jealousy and envy is jealousy is just wanting what some, what, uh, something that someone else got. You don't even have to have a good reason for it. You just want it. Envy is wanting what somebody else has because you believe the only reason they have it is because they took it from you. That it's actually yours, but because that person did whatever, whatever crazy thing they got in their mind, 
that person was able to take it from me. And it's not that concept of if it was, if they can take it from me, it was never yours. Now these people feel like, no, like that job. Like, no, I would have that job had it not been for that person because I'm the perfect person for that job. And if that person, that's called envy. And white wannabes harbor a lot of envy. It's not that they want to defeat the white man. It's that they want to replace him. They want to become the white man. You see what I'm saying? It's a big, big difference. See, it's a difference between a white wannabe and a coon. A coon, a coon can do shit just for the benefits of it. A coon, you know, may not even like what's happening, but the coon just wants to see themselves on the right side of things. They're very, very weak. They're weak-minded people. They're weak people. They're very content to get in where they fit in, whether they do it gladly or they do it begrudgingly. Cooning has different forms, but cooning has nothing to do with envy. A coon does not want the white man's spot. The coon may praise the white man, but the coon knows to stay in his place. See, the white wannabe is very, very different. The white wannabe is, is, will challenge the coon, I mean, will challenge the white man, but at the same time, he'll defend the white man. He'll defend the white man on the things that he wants himself. He'll defend the white man on capitalism. He'll defend the white man on how he treats women because he wants to be able to do the same things. It's only his main issue is the white man's whiteness. That's his major issue. He don't give a damn about all that other stuff, right? So let's make this into more current events. Where do we see this in current events? And I'm about to name drop again. I don't give a fuck. Because some of these people are causing more damage to the community than, than what should be allowed. A great example of this is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Now, Dr. Boyce Watkins is very, very clear. He's all B1 when you're talking about paper. He's all B1 when he's talking about money. Just look at his biases, the way that he covers people like Kanye West. The way that he came out to Antonio Brown's defense. He didn't like Antonio Brown could be one of the biggest fools in the world. One of the biggest bucks too in the world. But when it came to his money. He sounded an awful lot like Stephen A. Someone who's globally recognized as a coon. You know what I'm saying? And he does say some coon shit. I, like, and, I, and he is a coon. The thing is. Who's more deadly? To black people. Stephen A. Smith. Or Dr. Boyce Watkins. Dr. Boyce Watkins who. Like look. Stephen A. Smith don't got no connection to Dr. Claude Anderson. Stephen A. Smith ain't got no uh, connection to people like Vicki Dillard. He doesn't have that connection. He doesn't play that role. That's not his function in society. Dr. Boyce Watkins has the ear of black folks who want revolution. Who want better. Who are fighting the oppression of the white man. But did you hear Dr. Boyce's comments about uh, Makia Bryant? About the George Floyds? About these certain situations? Have you really listened to him? Have you even really paid attention to his ideas of what masculinity is and how masculinity is being attacked? See, just because somebody puts blackness behind it, that don't mean you need to support it. 
That is a very, very flawed individual. And that is an individual that cares more. He's an economist for crying out loud. Naturally, all he talks about is money. That's what that's his thing. But you have a lot of people who follow him who do not recognize that he's very much like Henry Kristoff. And we're going to have to keep this here because um, folks are coming in. So um, just stick around for part two. Okay, family, thanks for that. Just had a pause for a little bit. You know, apartment inspection, important thing. Uh, didn't take too long, but anywho. Um, so where I was, uh, where was I? So I was talking about Dr. Boyce. And Dr. Boyce and his, <laughs> some of his behavior. Like, I, I do truly feel like he's a white wannabe. Uh, he's a dude, like, and, and he's pretty slick about it. And the reason I say he's pretty slick about it is because, like I said, he attaches himself uh, to black conversations, to black topics. Um, but it doesn't take long before you see his biases. You know, you see that he doesn't really fuck with anything African. He's not a historian. He doesn't, he's not a person that, that really seems to care about the histories. He's okay with letting certain people that's older than him, like uh, Dr. Clana Anderson, speak about it. Uh, but mostly because he respects Dr. Uh, Anderson's resume more than anything. You know, I don't feel that if uh, Dr. Claude Anderson didn't have the resume that he did that and have things like books like Poweronomics or that he would really fuck with it. But when you hear him speak, you know, he talks down on the community quite a bit. Um, you know, he talks down like he he also has a big self-hate issue because he talks a lot about fat people or fat women. You know, he talks a lot about Lizzo and, you know, the whole uh, Jezebel whole concept, but he doesn't seem like he, like he definitely focuses on certain people more than others. Not that that's even beneficial. Like where the fuck is focusing on, um, twerking and Jezebel and quote unquote degenerate behavior and smoking weed really, uh, killing the community. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know what the fuck he's giving the community either while we're at it. But getting back to what I was talking about, I think I remember now, I was talking about like some of the things that he's commented on, like his comments when when one of us get killed, he sounds damn near like Lennox Honor. If you don't know who Lennox Honor are family, go check him out on uh, YouTube. He spends, he, he spends his life critiquing Dr. Umar Johnson. I don't know if Dr. Umar fucked his wife or what kind of beef that he has with that man, but he's de- he's made, like maybe he gave him some money. Or maybe he, like, I don't know what happened, but he's made attacking Umar Johnson, um, like, that's his career, basically. And family, you know, I don't really care for Dr. Umar Johnson at all, but I don't, I don't feel like a man should make his whole career pretty much talking shit about, like, everything a man does. It's That's very, very strange to me to be that obsessed, to have just endless content, but he's very... But uh, back to what I was talking about, though, Dr. Boyce has made similar comments to what Lennox Honor has made and was slammed on in terms of um, George Floyd, uh, Makia Bryant, etc., etc. Dr. Boyce isn't an idiot. He's not stupid enough to just go out there and just simply just attack it. But in, in so many words, you can tell that it doesn't it doesn't phase him or affect him. The only thing that he cares about is money, money money, money. No different than a brother polite. 
you know, you have to be very, very careful of these, uh, these brothers that are so focused on the dollar. You know, he's an economist and he's focused on the dollar. If the black dollar was this, if we're spending our money on that, if we stop shaking our asses. <laughs> the, only, the only thing of note that I could really give him credit for is, um, and this wasn't him, it was him and a few other people, was the agreement, um, uh, USA's agreement with black America. That was a That was a pretty solid thing. And I gave him his flowers for that. You know, not that he needs my flowers, but I acknowledge that something is very, very positive. I've also been very, very uh, cautious and I've been warning the family in so many words uh, about him. And I think people kind of see it a little bit now. Like, I don't know if people notice, but the things that he posts isn't isn't as popular as they used to be before he started to really, in my opinion, kind of expose himself. But that's something that we have to note, you know, like if we get to the point that we need to get to, let's say we have a, a black country, our own black society and things like that. What what's the what are the chances that he um, does or doesn't do something very similar to what the Petions and Boyers did, that he is not so ensconced by Western economics, Western um, capitalism that he wouldn't create something or put something in place that would allow white people to exploit it for an advantage or allow it to be exploited for the detriment of our people. See, that's not something I see him care about enough. Like, he doesn't really care about that. What he cares about is you make your money, uh, don't be fucking fat, even though he's one of the fattest pieces of shit I've ever seen in my life, to be calling somebody fat. Or be calling out fat people. Like, shouldn't you be in shape first? Shouldn't you, like, not sound like you, you need to be hooked up to some sort of, uh, uh, I forget what that system is called, you know, get, get hooked up to some oxygen, you know, so you can breathe. Like, he, he does, like, there's a lot of time he does not look good. But anyway, that's, a, that's besides the point. That's one of the white wannabes that you got to watch out for. I already mentioned Brother Polite. That should be painstakingly obvious because of how he came out, what he was talking about and where he is now, what he talks about now, you know, or what he's been talking about over the last few years. You know, the, the, the issue has shifted from what white people are doing, which is valid to nigga, what are you not doing? Like you stop being mad at that white man. You see what I'm saying? The message. Now, we know that he has a following. We know that people are ride or die with his shit till the wheels fall off. But you can't tell me that that's not damaging. You can't tell me that that type of person is not damaging. And I even have to, in a revelation, like in me even saying that, even I have to accept some of the things that my queen tells me about moving forward. And I do agree with what you say, my queen, because I know you're going to listen to this episode. Um... And let me know what you thought about it. But my, um, oh, and also, by the way, family, if you stuck in this long, once again, you're amazing. You're highly intelligent. You will be favored. Period. You are awesome. Like all the people who didn't even get this far. Guess what? They stink. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let me stop being funny. But, you know, 
Give me the five stars, family. Promote, promote, promote. If this has any value to you, if this perspective um, moves you in any, in any way, in a positive way. Because if this, this doesn't move you or if this isn't something that you find beneficial, like, hey, don't don't share it. I'm not I'm not that kind of person. But if this is some good t- content for you, let your family know about it. Let your cousins know about it. Put your, put your boot thing on it. Whoever. But anyway, looking at other folks, um, these white wannabes. We saw what the Brother Polites was doing. Um, another one that I want to bring up is these, uh, the, the, the Cory Bookers of the world, the Senator Cory Bookers of the world, the people who, who have a chance to pass, who have the ability to kind of do that. And they, I guess they figure they can kind of situate themselves in a, in a place where, you know, they can, I, I don't know. That one is always kind of like very, very interesting to me. And I, and I, and let me try not to think or try to step into a mind of a person that I can't relate to. But looking at his actions, looking at that interview, family, if you haven't checked out the episode, or if you haven't checked out that interview on YouTube that he did with Jon Stewart, I urge you to go check it out. I think you see some very, very telling things there. You know, like, for example, when he starts, he, I like, instantly talking to Jon Stewart, he started, like, basically kissing ass, like, you know, identifying with whiteness, whiteness, whiteness. He talks about an essay he did for Rodney King. He doesn't have a real, like, he doesn't really acknowledge the fact that he's black in any of that. He kind of talks about what his family went through, but he never says that his family is black or anything. Like, it just kind of avoids it and evades it. Now, that's a very, very different type of white wannabe. That's a type of white wannabe who probably plays defense at home, like, you know... He's he's black when it's convenient, but because he's in a position where he can pass, and that's a very different thing because there's there's black wannabes, I mean black wannabes, there's white wannabes that uh, that can't pass. And that's a part of their frustration. That's a part of their anger. That's also a part of their fuel. Like you don't see Senator Cory Booker with the same fuel or the same energy as uh, as a brother polite or Dr. Boyce Watkins when it comes to certain things. Like when um, Brother Polite was denied access to some of these things, there was a certain kind of fire that he had. When Dr. Boyce Watkins talks about how tough it is, you know, to make the money to be a black capitalist, there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of fire there. You don't really see uh, the Senator Cory Booker's with that fire because, see, there's a there's a part of it to where. If he plays the role a certain way, he knows he can he can pass. Like it's not the same thing. Brother Polite and Boyce Watkins have no chance. They have no chance. Their only chance to be what they want to be is to kind of overthrow this this white society. But it's not that they want to do it uh, with the idea of blackness. Let me go further. These particular white wannabes, Brother Polites, the Dr. Boyce Watkins, I'm using these examples for a reason because I want you to kind of take what I'm saying about them and then apply some of these things to other people that you may be following or paying attention to. Okay. Brother, the Brother Polites and Dr. Boyce Watkins are not complementary of black culture. They're not understanding of black culture. Don't even want to be. Now, Brother Polite, again, is a little different, but it took him some years to kind of very slowly start shifting his position into something else. 
Dr. Boyce Watkins, being an old fart that he is, he doesn't really have to do that. You know, because he can just kind of come out and people just kind of take some of the comments that he says, oh, you're just being old. Oh, you're just an old timer. Like There's people who are old who can appreciate uh, black culture. And he's allegedly supposed to be from Chicago. Allegedly. That's his uh, that's his thing. So. The fact that his perspective, I know, first of all, I know people from Chicago that's older than he is. Um, That's really from that. You know what I'm saying? They do what they do. They well. If doing well for yourself is like owning your house and, you know, making decent money, that's my definition of doing well for yourself. You know, maybe not doing as well as Dr. Boyce, but I'm, I don't even pretend to know what kind of money he makes or what he has in his pockets. No concern of mine. But um, Dr. Boyce, he, like, I'm not going to say I hate everything that he says. It's just I'm, I'm very, very concerned about his his lack of black loyalty. You know, his... He's just so ready to wipe black people off for the things that black people do, like marijuana, cannabis. He really goes hard at that. He really goes hard at that. Obnoxiously so. And it's like there's every statistic, everything to the book. But you think that's the biggest problem? Like, first of all, you, do you think all black people, the majority of black people is around smoking blunts? Do you think like it's like. On one hand, he can talk about racism, white supremacy in terms of and how I feel like he's being denied opportunities into into black capitalism. But in the same breath, he turns around and uses those white supremacist talking points. Like it seems like his view of black people is generally lazy. Or if you're black people who don't follow his show or agree with everything that he says, like because if you agree with what he says and you and you watch his program, you're intelligent. If you're not, you're fucking stupid, because why wouldn't you watch Dr. Boyce Watkins's shit? You know. And that's a very concerning thing, because when you have a huge following like that. When you have people that are basically hanging on to like, I wouldn't say every word that you say, but you, you, he's an influencer. He's definitely an influencer. Um, you, it's just concerning to me because you don't want black people picking up those same values. You don't want them resonating with that uh, for the same reasons that Haiti didn't need other mulattoes or other black folks resonating with white society. You, you don't really want that. You know, he's a he's a borderline misogynist. And there's been, there's a lot of folks like that, like because I'm not about to leave the sonnettas of the world outside of this conversation. Another white wannabe. You know, he's kind of in between a actually he's kind of in between a white wannabe. And a um, I just be a con artist, honestly, I don't even know if it's a white wannabe thing. I just really find him to be a a very duplicitous, dubious person. And the more that you pay attention, see, I was kind of late on the Sonetta train, but he's not a very trustworthy person. And then his politics and his ethics are far from trustworthy. So let me dial back a bit, but there are white wannabes on his platform, like the Brother Garfields of the world. That's a white wannabe. That is a that is a pure, pure, pure white wannabe. Period. There is no <laughs> there ain't no getting around that. That's what he wanna be. 
I already talked about the brother Polites that came through on his platform. They don't really mess with it too much anymore. But he's he's had a couple. He's had a couple. You know, there's a lot of folks out there that um kind of envious of what the white man has. And again, like the more I'm thinking about it, and I was about to throw Sonetta into that category, I don't know if I can. I just have to be honest here. This is not about slander. This is about identifying behaviors in the community and things that are bad. But he's that that's a, he's a problem though. He's a problem. You know. Um one of the reasons I'm making this distinction is cuz I don't want people to confuse once again a white wannabe for a coon. Jesse Lee Peterson is a white wannabe. He's not a coon, y'all. He is not a coon. He is a white wannabe. You can tell in how he responds to things. I know I'm using a bit of an extreme, but let's look at the similarities. Okay. He doesn't acknowledge black issues. Police brutality is not a is not a problem to him. That's that that's interesting. That's strike number one. You know, in most cases it's black people's fault that certain things happen. Strike number two. He has a hard time putting himself as black like well it's one of the, it's one of two things. Either white wannabes create a new type of black person because they have to separate you know, blackness from niggas. That's one, that's one really common thing. Or they just separate themselves from black altogether. Like you people, black people. That's something that we have to notice. And that was one of the reasons why I was starting to put Sonetta in there because he says a lot of y'all niggas. And sometimes he says it to a certain point where it's just like, huh. But it's not enough. Because even I have my moments where I just go off and I just be talking talking about us. But I call y'all niggas. So I'm not. Um, yeah. So I can't really hold some. Like I can't really use that. I, that would be like calling myself that. And I don't. <laughs> far from that. But uh, that is a thing. That is a trait. You know that separation from blackness. See, coons, coons just think they are, they are that exceptional Negro. Very, very different. They just think they're an exceptional Negro. You know, uh, white wannabes have an issue with, with things being black. They have an issue. Uh, with Another example of a white wannabe is um, as an individual, like, and I've kind of brought this up, they want to do European things. You know, they just want to have the right to do it. Uh, it's not that they necessarily have a problem with how white people do shit. It's just like, how dare you? You know what I'm saying? They 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 want to be in an equal position to be equally as uh, European or Western as their white counter uh, counterparts. You know, you notice that a lot when you see people talk about. Uh, like here's here's a good example of that. Motherfuckers who feel like, and some people might just write this off as misogyny, but it's it's deeper when they have a philosophy behind it. Where they feel that, you know, women, you know, if you're going to be with a woman, you got to make more money than her. Black women shouldn't be going to school. They should be at home doing this, doing that. A lot of that sounds like uh, misogyny, but it's really like white wannabes. First of all, we have to understand that it's white people 
who legislated and was de- de- uh, disenfranchising their women from a very, very early time. These are the same kind of people that if a woman was riding around in a chariot in Greece, uh, she would have to have a torch and an attendant with her. Like, bitch, where are you going in that chariot? There's, there is no such law for men. You're, you're really dealing with a culture that would put laws and prohibitions and restrictions on women and none on men. And you're dealing with people within the society that actually think that's okay. You know, <clears throat> that actually think that there is a, a place and a role for that. And it's not. It's, it's very, very warped. You know, now gender roles do exist. You know, gender roles were definitely more prominent in Asia, but the disenfranchisement definitely came more so towards like Europe. And before Europe, we, we have to deal with Western Asia or uh, Sumer. And Sumer had a lot of laws like this, like the priestesses uh, couldn't own uh, couldn't own places that made wine and they couldn't drink wine. Of course, men can drink wine. Now, there's a lot of brothers out there, and I bet you Dr. Boyce would be one of them that would also agree that, you know, they don't feel like women should drink and they don't feel like, you know, because all these quote unquote bad things can happen. But when men have drink and it's statistics show it, when men drink, shit gets fucked up. Beyond a doubt. The only thing that you can say about a white woman, I mean, or not a white woman, but about a woman getting drunk is that. She may be she may be so inebriated someone may prey upon her. See, that's not an issue with her. That's the issue with the motherfuckers in your society. And the fact is that whether she was drunk or not, somebody's gonna be preying on her. Either trying to get her drunk, trying to slip something in her drink. See, that takes away the responsibility of the people actually doing the actions. But you have a lot of people who just kind of just go back into that that mindset, like it's easy for them to do that. See, that's something that has to be pointed out. The way that they have a philosophy is not so much about the misogyny. It's how much do they really get into the philosophy behind it. And then that's when you, I go even further on the Dr. Boyce Watkins. Because of how he attacks the masculine, how he perceives masculinity, how he perceives his role, how he perceives how other men act. And, he, and he's so willing to talk about it. Like, I'm... I'm sure either your wife is a dummy or she fucking someone else just based on how you talk, bro. It's just, hey, charge it to the game. We know what it is out here. The things that you say, bro. But um, they believe it. They believe it. See, it's way more insidious. That's way more of a threat, which is the overall principle. And I know this is this is getting on 45 minutes. I gotten close to the old episode. So I'm gonna go ahead and try to wrap this up. But you, that, see, a white wannabe is way more dangerous than a coon because a coon is doing something for his own benefit. You know, the the white wannabe is upset with his position, like he's upset with his position in life, like the fact that he was born black. The world would be different for him if he was born white. But he knows he can never be white. He knows that. So he must do everything in his power to be as close to whiteness as he can get. But he's resentful of it. He's resentful of it. Family, when people are like that, you cannot trust what they say. You cannot allow those people to to rule you, to, to have any kind of control. And you for damn sure cannot buy into their philosophy. Their philosophy is destructive. It's self-destructive to a community. Now, I'm not saying somebody got to come out there and start preaching Kemet. 
but you should care about African values. You should care about those things. Like, that should matter to you. You don't hear about Africa come out of goddamn uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins' mouth or these other white wannabes' mouths. They have no intention of reconnecting with Africa. That's another sign. That's something that puts Tariq Nasheed on the list because he does a lot of the same things. And it's it's more so how he lives his life. It's more so how he chooses to use his wealth and how he chooses to obtain and maintain his wealth and what he does with it. Now, I'm not completely sold on that. As you can see, family, there's some people within our community that I've been following, that I watch, and that I've been questioning, that I've been analyzing, that I've been trying to see. I'm, I, you know, I'm, and I'm not mad that I got to bring up these names. These names need to be brought up because, like I said in the last episode, these people are causing problems. They're posting videos. They're getting us distracted. And they're getting us on this whole other thing. This whole other path, like we have to always be wary of people that are that have the propensity, that have the possibility, that have the potential to lead us astray, to set us back. So with that being said, hopefully I know this wasn't quite the episode that I had before. This is definitely going to need a. Yeah, this is going to be like a part two to this whole thing. Like, I'm going to do this over and bring a little bit more information next time. Maybe bring a few more examples. But really, I just want to, I wanted to get this one out. We need to talk about this. We need to start identifying white wannabes uh, in this society and in our community, most importantly. So we can deal with them. Um, so we can ostracize them because they need to be ostracized. They either need to get with the program or they get ostracized. And, 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 and we still watch them because people don't change their, their colors like that. You know, but I also understand that there's a lot of people that will not cast them aside. It's one of the reasons that I feel like we're in a really, really um, uh, sensitive place right now. Because, you know, the family knows about how optimistic I am about our progress, but at the same time, I see things, I see things that will ultimately damn us in the end. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. We can succeed like Haiti did. We can get our own shit. We can have our own country. I'm telling you, if we allow the people who want to be white, who idolize whiteness, who are too ensconced in whiteness, they will set us back. And they don't give a fuck they're dealing with their own insecurity. No matter how passionate they are, no matter how intelligent they are, no matter what it is. Because that's the trap. That's the curse of white supremacy. That's the poison. That's the poison pond. You take it and you lose. And we have a lot of people who just, they, they can't resist it. And we're in one of the worst times for that sort of thing. Just imagine how bad the mulatto class would be if they had Twitter, YouTube, and social media in the 1800s. Because of these ideas, because of how you can push that. Anywho, with that that being said, uh, peace, love, and light. If you made it this far, you've been following me for a while, you're amazing, you're wonderful. 
you know, sorry how to call out or just mention some people that you may like, that you may idolize, but the historical record is clear. And my record as far as being right is damn good. And you can go through my catalog and see a lot of things that I've said were going to happen, has happened. Even when it comes to people in the community. There are some people that I have been reluctant and I've told y'all I've been reluctant to bring them in. I didn't feel like that was the right thing. But after seeing what happened with Punk, and that's another white wannabe, Asar Imhotep. He's a white wannabe because he wants to be accepted by white academia. He wants to be accepted by them so bad, just like that uh, white wannabe brother Garfield, that he's willing to uh, attack black scholars, our ancestors, his betters, their betters. Because Asar Imhotep and brother Garfield couldn't hold a candle to any of those damn brothers. In terms of research, comprehension, and what they're able to do. You don't even have the opportunity. You don't even have the access. Kunas, uh, who, uh, motherfucking uh, Asar Imhotep. How dare you? You don't even have the same access as a Shank Antidiop. Shut up. And you're very, very cute. That whole little breakdown he was trying to do about the language family. Look up Theophile Obanga. That is the linguist that you need to know. That is the linguist that was right there. You had two scholars go up to UNESCO against 18 Egyptologists. I believe it's 1974, 72, 74, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in Cairo. You see? What he does is very, very dubious. But that's what a lot of these people do. Like, that's another thing you have to understand. Family. Why these white wannabes come to you is because they don't respect you. They don't respect your mind. They don't even think you're smart enough to go look it up yourself. Tell me that's not Dr. Boyce. Tell me that's not Brother Polite. Tell me that's not Asari Imhotep. Tell me that's not Brother Garfield and all the rest of these niggas. They really treat you like you're their lesser. They come at you like they're your lesser. They even beg you like they're your lesser. Like you're a lesser to them. Because they come to you like they got all the answers and you don't know shit. Your, your life experiences are different. Because what? Because he read a couple of books and interviewed a few motherfuckers? What, is, what, what kind of profound things has Dr. Boyce actually said that didn't have shit to do about a dollar? Uh, he sure as fuck uh, go bring on some motherfuckers that we'll talk about it though. He'll go bring on a Dr. Claude Anderson. He'll go bring on and support a Vicky Dillard. He don't have a problem interviewing a Riza Islam. What the fuck can he contribute to those conversations? Family, listen to the shit that he says. And then listen to the people that he puts on there and what they say. Now, some people may argue, oh, well, he's just... He, you know, anyone can have their own opinion on this platform, blah, 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 blah. No, that motherfucker's riding coattails. Y'all just don't want to, y'all just don't want to appreciate. Y'all don't want to see it. Just like that motherfucker, Sonetta. He rides coattails. What does he know about history? What does he know about Kemet? What does he know about even Hebrew? That's why he has debates with them dumbasses. He has debates with dumbasses. You won't see him do a debate with Zion Lex. No, he's going to pick a dummy. Dummy. So I'm, I vote, I'm, you know, I pay attention to people who ride coattails. 
That's a problem. I think the only one I can say that really wasn't riding any coattail, uh, coattails is maybe Brother Polite. He wasn't really riding any coattails. He, you know, he, he was brilliant. And I've always said that he's brilliant. He's a great researcher. So he, he, he was going to have some success. I can't say that he was riding it. Maybe he was riding Dr. Sebi's coattails for a little bit. You know, especially as far as the natural, holistic kind of shit that he does. Maybe that was what he did. Again, I wasn't a big Dr. Sebi head like that myself. You know, and Dr. Sebi is like, he, he did what he did. He was cool, but I did not have to agree with everything that he says. He said a lot of wrong things. Not about like his sciences, but about like society and how he viewed it and he had some of them coon-ass views about blackness and whiteness, too. Like, and people don't want to accept that. They don't want to accept the shit that he, like, motherfuckers say because you idolize them. You, Because somebody does something, you put them at a high level like they're God. And a white wannabe. They're not calling Dr. Sebi a white wannabe, but brother polite. The the, the uh, Dr. Voices of the world and so on and so forth. I'm, I'm talking about them. They use that shit to their advantage. They really do. They use that shit to their advantage. And we have to be strong enough to discern it. We have to be strong enough to do away with it. Before it it just destroys our community. And it's already destroying our community. It's already having... The ripples are already having an effect. Which is why I have to get on this platform... And, and talk to you guys about it. The dangers of the white wannabe. Family, if this podcast has any value to you, if you feel me, share, share, share. Get this message out there. If you don't, hey, it's okay. I don't I don't mind. Do what you do. Still give me the five stars anyway. Because I'm fire. With that being said, peace, love, and light. 